0: This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress. In the three editions of the Everest so far, only two runners have had strong Adelaide ties. Fedora, who contested the race in 2018, and Sunlight last year had spent a part of their careers in South Australia. This year, it's fair to say that GTRA and Behemoth both five year olds are as South Australian as the Barossa Valley. Gitar will run in the English slot, Behemoth under the Star banner. Gitra, trained by Port Lincoln born Gordon Richards, has spent most of his career across the road from the Morfordville racecourse. Behemoth has enjoyed the idyllic surrounds of beautiful Goolwa Beach in the hands of David Jolly, a member of a legendary South Australian racing family. The Athletic Chestnut G Trial has won a group one and been placed in three others. The Giant Bay Behemoth has won two group ones and been placed in another. If one of them happens to win the Tab Everest on October the 17th, South Aussies will have bragging rights for a long time to come. We've spoken to several racehorse syndicators on the podcast over the last couple of years and it's obvious that passion is the one thing they have in common. All had a similar story, a childhood fascination with racing which developed into an obsession through teen years. All said they devoured newspaper and magazine articles. Some said they insisted on having photos of champion horses plastered on their bedroom walls while television and radio coverage of racing dominated their Saturday afternoons. In researching a story recently, I had cause to talk to Peter Crichton, who in partnership with his wife Lauren operates the Melbourne-based company United Syndications. I doubt I've heard more passion in one phone call from one syndicator than I heard from Peter Crichton. Young Pete was 14 when he attended his first race meeting with his dad and his uncle Percy and from that very first day, the die was cast. On attaining financial independence, he quickly became involved in the part ownership of horses trained by Richard Freyer at Corowa and enjoyed the involvement for a number of years. Committed to a life somewhere in the racing industry, Peter Crichton bit the bullet and decided on a career in syndication in the hope he could gain the patronage of people with the same level of passion as his own. After meeting the vast criteria set by the regulators, Peter and Lauren founded United Syndications 27 years ago and continue to operate today as one of Australia's most respected syndication companies. Peter, there's an old adage... If driven by passion, always let reason hold the reins. You've never let the business get too big for you.
1: No, I haven't, Uh, John, and it's it's a great privilege to speak to um, such an iconic voice in racing, John. So it's a privilege to talk to you uh, today, and uh, no, that's that's pretty well right. Um, You need passion in in any industry, John, and um, mine was horse racing and started off at a very young age.
0: United Syndications runs on the... Tender loving care administered by two people, you and Lauren. You carry out all duties, and there are many.
1: Yeah, there certainly are. It's um, once you've got your dealer's license in 1993, and which got transferred to a, a, an ASL license in 2000, I think it was. The um, the criteria for holding such a license is is quite demanding, but um, people have faith that um, when they invest with any. Any syndication company that has an AFSL, John, they're well looked after on the administration side and all compliance is met.
0: I can relate to your childhood obsession with racing and the kind of literature you'd devoured. The famous Pink Sporting Globe and the Old Truth newspaper uh, would have been high on your curricula.
1: <laughs> that was it, John. I couldn't wait to get the truth on a Thursday afternoon with all the form and the Sporting Globe on a Saturday night, which came out around our local. Our local milk bar, and we we took it back, and the stories continued with um, with my father and um, his brother Percy at a very young age, and I was hooked at about uh, at about nine um, when um, we followed a, a horse with a great lot of interest in lots of time. John, a horse you'd be pretty familiar with.
0: Oh, certainly, yeah, familiar names. Your uncle Percy must have been a good bloke, Pete. Every Saturday night he would shout you a quaddy on the Melbourne Showground Trots, which were televised live back then.
1: Yeah, it was televised live. Uh, the Penthouse Club, I think it was, on Channel 7 with Mike Williams and Mary Hardy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when when Dad and Purse came back, um, we talked about the trots and the, and the uh, stories of the day of their punting. And um, I used to get a 50-cent quadrilla, and I did nail it a few times too, but I didn't <laughs> pay too much, John. No.
0: You know, the trots survived at the showgrounds until the early 1980s before the sport moved to Mooney Valley uh, and then in 2010 it moved again to Melton. Now, the old-timers say modern-day administrators would give anything for the crowds that crammed into the Melbourne showgrounds back then.
1: Yeah, loved it. I loved the showgrounds, John. It's uh... And I actually went to the first night, the opening at Mooney Valley, and it was packed. You just could not believe the crowds, and um, those that didn't experience that atmosphere are, are missing a lot because it was just a fantastic time in racing and uh, harness racing, and um people used to go to the races and then head off to the trots to either bail out or play up their winnings. It was uh, fantastic days.
0: Finally, the big day arrived. Dad and Uncle Percy, let you tag along to a Caulfield meeting and you almost choked on the excitement. What are your most yeah, vivid memories, I, Pete, of that I, day? I,
1: I did, I did, John. It was. Um, I think it was all revved up from the stories of lots of time when I was nine. I, I just never forget the stories um, that that came from there. Um, lots of time, he, as you know, he was a champion hurler. He, he won nine in a row within three months of... 1969, I think it was, until Black and Bent took the record off him uh, in 2013, but he he was owned by Jimmy Hannon, a celebrity, uh, a glamorous call girl, Sally Wood, and her partner, George Eccles, <laughs> I think they made up the basic uh, ownership, yeah. and uh, I, I think Sam Kekovich got involved with Sally Wood at one stage in his first year at North Melbourne, so there were stories, there was rumours. Um, you know, even that, that his jockey George Costello didn't um, allow him to run on his merits in the 1969 Grand National Hurdle. Mm. Um, all those stories, John, um, they they just left an indentation. And, and when I went to the races in uh, when I was 14, some mm. five years later, I couldn't wait to get there. And Wow, you just walked in, and we we're in the Guineas, and I think there was about fifty bookmakers in the Guineas. You didn't have to pay to get into the Guineas in those days, mm. and it just took over from there. The atmosphere—it's—it's—it's it's, it's the ultimate marketplace of demand and supply, and um, the bookmakers, uh, the characters of bookmakers, and the punters, and it was just a great atmosphere. Um, you just—you just had to. It was in your blood. It—it it just didn't leave from that day.
0: Now, that famous hurdler you're talking about, lots of time, was trained by your distant relative, Norm Crichton, who had been a good jockey until weight beat him and then he became a, a very notable trainer. Now, I called my good mate Brian Martin uh, about Norm Crichton. Brian is a noted racing historian with a wonderful database at home and he tells me that Norm's riding career was cut short but he did win a Mooney Valley Stakes and he did win a Victoria Derby on Skipton. That's right. Yep, he could have ridden him in the 1941 Melbourne Cup, but he couldn't get anywhere near the weight and Billy Cook picked up that lucky ride. Now, Norm Crichton could also have ridden Wotan in the 1936 Melbourne Cup, couldn't make the weight, but he did win a two-rack handicap and a new market on El Galea He won the Oakley Plate on Pamela's. He rode Ori's Star the day the horse ran 1 minute 8.25 down the Flemington Straight course in 1940, which was a record right up until the time metrics were introduced in 1973. So Norm Crichton, Pete, uh, had a lot of talent in two different fields of endeavour.
1: Yeah, I wasn't quite aware of that. Uh, all those facts, I did did hear of uh, of, of Skipton and and that, but um, I wasn't aware of that. So uh, yeah, he did have uh, the credentials to then train, and um, he uh, he was a good trainer too, John. And uh, yeah, just the stories that came out of that was just uh, enough to hook me at um, at eight years of age, and um, I just uh, just loved loved it and um, enjoyed going to the races with with Dad and Uncle Purse, and uh, it, was, uh, it, it, it
0: really got me going. Mm. Norm trained a 200-to-1 pop called Welkin Son, who ran second in the 1952 Melbourne Cup to Dalray, and he was the fourth trainer of the remarkable horse Samson, who raced That's from right. two to nine years of age. He had 112 starts, 27 wins. One of his wins was a Doomban Cup, he ran second in two Stradbrokes, and after racing, he was a loyal servant to the Victorian Mounted Police for many years.
1: That's correct, and I think they actually buried him at the post at Sandown, didn't they?
0: Correct, yep.
1: I think they did. Um, he's a wonderful horse, and um, a little bit before my time, Samson, but um, he, he, uh, the stories of Samson and lots of time were uh, just edged in my my uh, history and um mm. I'll never forget that, and um, they were a big part and instrumental in me doing what I'm doing now, John.
0: Between leaving school and becoming a syndicator, you worked in the ANZ Bank as a graduate trainee, having earned a Bachelor of Business, Banking and Finance degree at the institution now known as Monash University. Now, your classes...
1: (laughs) I'm not sure how I got that, John. I was more... Spent more time, I think, at the race course at Caulfield at the midweeks than at the, uh, right. at the uh, Institute, the uh, CIT, the old uh, Caulfield Institute of Technology now known as Monash. Mm. But, uh, yeah, they were great days. And um, uh, got our Bachelor of Finance degree, went to the bank, which was a mistake. And I just tried mm. to work out how I could get into racing from the time I left uh, yeah. the bank. So um, it was a it was a... Bit of a long trip and track, but we uh, we got there in the end.
0: You tried something else for a while. You became an accounts payable manager.
1: Did that. Um, did that for whilst we were, myself and Lauren, were paying off our mortgage and did that for the best part of 15 years um, and started United Syndications whilst I was working full-time. So I used to work mm. full-time, come home, and then work on the business. And that's mm. how it uh how it um, became and um, over those years it slowly became bigger and bigger until it got to the stage where I said, right, I'm leaving and um, mm. worked on the on the business full-time.
0: The thought of getting into horse ownership was in your mind by the late 80s and you yep. shared in the ownership of a few horses trained by the late Richard Freyer. The yep. best of them, Pete, was a chestnut gelding called Taj Volante who won 11 races, bush races admittedly, but by crikey, it's hard to win 11.
1: Yeah, he he was terrific. Uh, He was my first introduction into racing um, um, through Murray McCulloch um, up at Barnawatha, and uh, he was a terrific horse. Uh, He won 11. I think he had six or so placings. and from 37 starts, and that that was it for me. Once I got that, I said to Dad, "Right, I'm uh, I'm going to work out somehow how I can become a racehorse syndicator and and do it professionally." And um, uh, away I went from there.
0: Mm. Well, you started off quietly with Richard Freyer as your trainer, with in the main country class horses. Yeah, you had about sure. half a dozen with Richard, and they all won. Rusty yep. nails, Almatrice, Roulette King, Queen of Adelaide, Secret of Lady, yep. uh, but some of your owners tired of of travelling to the country meetings.
1: Yeah, that's right. They look. We 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 had a little group together that was going on for a few years, and um, the travel being in the southern districts, you'd be going to Kyola, Wagga, or Albury, Berrigan, um, Leeton, Narandra, those tracks, and. Um, mm. It just got a little bit too much for them and and they were on me for a couple of years to find a trainer in Melbourne and um, it had me thinking and I spoke to dad and he said, well, if you want to progress the business, that's what you've got to do. So um, I started um, just, I suppose, looking around for for who I thought might travel the journey with me, Um, someone similar age um, that we could run on a journey if everything worked out and um, I think um, in the end, I was lucky to have chosen who I chose. Um, Derby Day 2000 uh, was the day that I went to the races, and I was following a guy called Mick Price for quite a while. Um, You know, he was training in the country. He was my age. Uh, He was training very well with limited numbers of horses, and. Um, Derby Day 2000, he had two runners, Tennis and Slavonic, Tennis and the Wakeful and mm. Slavonic in the McKinnon, I think. They both should have won. Mm. And I just went home to Dad and I said, look, I found my trainer. It's Mick Price. I'm going to go and see him and see if I can become part of his journey. And, and that's what happened.
0: Well, Mick's had a brilliant journey. 35 group ones, a host of top liners with Lankan Rupee probably his headline act with five group ones. While yep. we're on trainers, Pete, and before we leave Richard Freyer, who died in 2017 at just 69 uh, after a terrific training career, he won 16 Southern Districts Racing Premierships. Yep. He won dozens of Cups in the Riverina, but his biggest claim to fame came in '05 when he supplied the fourth place getter like a falcon in Maccabi Diva's third Melbourne Cup The whole of the Riverina was behind
1: him that day. It was a fantastic run. Um, Richard, fantastic old-school trainer, John, as you would probably be be aware. There were many times I went up to watch track work at Corowa. Um, He was a thorough gentleman, Richard and his family, and Rick, who who helped him out, and his father, Jack, who was a champion trainer himself. Um, They were a a wonderful family, Um, honest, integral, um and just led the way in that area in that district, southern districts for year on years mm. and on end and mm. um he was a wonderful man, and uh he helped me learn the game and um it was disappointing um to leave Richard, but in true Richard' style, when La Bella dame, who was my first horse with Mick, he rang mm. me. And congratulated me and wished me the very best after it won its first race, and um, mm. I never forget that. No, never, never forget that.
0: No, that was a, a poignant moment, but not the least bit unexpected.
1: No, not from the man. He's a wonderful man, a lot of friends, um, great setup, great trainer, uh, worked hard, and uh, I, I was lucky to uh, to become part of his journey as well, albeit in a small small part.
0: Mm. You know, from the moment you decided to launch United Syndications, you designed and registered a set of colours which have become widely recognisable. They're pretty colours. Pink, purple braces, white sleeves, purple armbands, purple cap. Not only do they stand out, they do look attractive.
1: When I um, I selected the colours, (laughs) I remember Dad said to me, Taj Valonday, I think, was uh, was pale pink, pale blue V, um, pale pink sleeves and and cap, and mm. it was always difficult to see the horse in the race. And um, Dad said, well, what, "Well, whatever you do, Pete, make sure you get colours I can see." So I just have played around with the colours, John, and um, wanted something nice and bright. And uh, I think I've I've got that. We can always see our colours in the race. Um, when they're up front and when they're at, when they're at the tail of the field, they're they're a distinctive set of colours, I think, and um, mm. I, I don't have any trouble finding them in a race.
0: Your very first trip to a yearling sale with the express intention of finding a city class horse happened in 2001. You got to the English Classic Sale at Newmarket in Sydney with a limited bank.
1: I certainly did. I went there. I said to my wife, I'm going to the sales. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I won't be spending too much. So um, I said to Mick, I've got 30 to spend, even though I didn't. And uh, (laughs) Mick said, Well, let's try and find a horse for you. And um, it went pretty well to plan. I I bid on a horse and landed at 30. Um, There was no further bid. It was knocked down to me. And we all. Bet you held your breath.
0: (laughs) Bet you held your breath in that moment.
1: I did. I certainly did because your heart's pounding the first horse you bought. Yeah. Um, you know, with Mick, and we're having a drink at the uh, the bar afterwards, and Mick just jokingly said, "Well, there's, I've got you a Group One winner, so um, good luck to you." And then he went to his other clients. Well, it was strange the words he said. I know it was just off the cuff, but that uh, <laughs> that horse, John, uh, turned out to be La uh, Bella Dame, who was um, was a Group winner.
0: Oh, she did a great job. She was by Royal Academy. Out of a mare by snippets, she won five, four in town, including the Group Two Angus Armandasco with Dan Nicolick up.
1: And that was a fantastic uh, ride. Dan rode a little bit for me in those early days. He won won a Group Three Jemira for me, and just one of the best rides you'd ever want to see on a on a racetrack um, from Barrier Eight. He ended up slotting back on the fence and got through the. The field in the straight, along the fence, pulled out in the straight and just overhauled the winner. But he he was terrific and uh, was good for me. And he ran second in the in the um, in the in the Group One Thousand Guineas as well. Dan, um, terrific horse that uh, that John. It just kicked me off. And um, what a wonderful career that that horse gave us and gave United Syndications and, and the owners for for a long period of time. I can tell you.
0: La Bella Dame also did a big job in the breeding barn. She produced Damsel Fly, the Flying Spur. That filly won four races, including a Group 3, and Le Bonceur, who won nine, 16 placings, more than almost 600,000, in fact, and he won two listed races.
1: He did. Uh, They were terrific horses. Damsel Fly was a really good filly. We didn't see the best of her. She won her first four Um, including the Group 3 Thoroughbred Club Stakes, got beat a lip in the listed MSS Security Stakes at Flemington, I think, Mm. and then went to Rose Hill for the birthday card and got sick up there, and um, we gave her a little spell. She came back in the Monash Stakes and and ran a shocker and pulled up quite sick and ill, and that that, uh, led to her retirement from the track, John, She was a really good filly. We, we just didn't see the best of her um, but le bon sir, he was a ripper he, he was a terrific um terrific horse for us, as you say with uh, with quoting what you've quoted, he also ran uh, third in the group one mm. as well um and he was just a terrific tough horse and yeah. um you know um he just love horses like him, he was genuine, tough, tried hard he was a he was a star type of horse, great around the stable, just loved him, mm. just loved him.
0: I'd have never picked it.
1: <laughs> he, he was a ripper. He, he, he was he was so good and uh, honest. Um, we also bought a horse too, John um, Bellas Bro, who was actually a half-brother to La Bella Dame at the Easter sales mm. um, in 2003 for $70,000 with the connection of the owners through La Bella Dame, I, I bought this horse on the phone mm. with Mick at the Sydney Easter sale because I didn't think we'd be able to buy him. And Mick rang me uh, excited. He said, this horse has passed him to 65. What do you want to do? And I, I sort of thought, God, oh, what do I do? I can't knock him back. So I said, well, we'll go around to uh, Middlebrook Valley Lodge who um, who sold me La Bella Dame. And uh, mm. I said, go and speak to John Rawler and, and see whether we can grab him for 70, which we did. Mm. And uh, I syndicated him that night mm. through the owners of La Bella Damon, and, and he went on to win uh, 10 races um, um, in 200,000. John, he won six metropolitan races in Adelaide. He was no star, but, gee, he was an yeah. honest uh, horse and gave us a lot of fun.
0: Pete, just stand by there. We'll clear a commitment now on the podcast. Back with you very shortly. Entries are now open for the 2021 English Select Yealing Sale series. The series will again comprise five sales, Classic, Premier, Easter, Gold and the Hunter Thoroughbred Breeders' Association May Yealing Sale to be held at Riverside in Sydney and Oaklands Junction in Melbourne. Each of the three primary sales, Classic, Premier and Easter, will retain their regular places on the sales calendar. Following its success this year, the Scone sales will be moved permanently to Riverside on May 2nd and May 3rd, and will be rebranded the HTBA yearling sale. The Gull sale in Melbourne will be held on May 16th. To discuss the placement of your yearlings, contact a member of the English Bloodstock team. My special guest is respected Victorian syndicator, Peter Crichton of United Syndications. Pete, looking for another La Bella Dame, you chased another Royal Academy filly and secured her for 70000 Royal Charades was her name. She won eight races, four in town.
1: Yep, we bought her at the 2006 Magic Million sales, four seventy, dollars as you correctly say. She was a really good um, filly and mare too, John. She, um, she won eight races, um, 176,000 in stakes uh, she won four in town um, at Caulfield and um, Sandown uh, she was a, a genuine horse tried hard and uh, just had little fatlock issues at the end which uh, caused her retirement but uh, she won 8 of 18 and a uh, very smart uh, smart filly
0: and like La Bella Dame she bred on and produced Royal Snitzel who won a couple in the city with Dale Smith in the saddle uh, Royal Charades also has a mare called undoubtedly in training. She's a winner too and has placed a couple of times just lately and the yep, owners of Royal Charades eventually decided to sell her, Pete, as you well know, at a broodmare sale and sadly she died foaling a few months later.
1: She did. She died uh, foaling to Flying Artie. I'm not sure where that uh, that colt ended up but, uh, yes, she did. She was getting hard to get into file towards the end of her career. She missed a couple of years. Um, and it was it was a decision, a commercial decision we made, John, to, to sell her. But uh, we did keep Royal Schnitzel um, for the races. And, and she was a, a brilliant filly, winning three of seven. And uh, uh, she was group three placed on three occasions. She ran second three times. Um, Sabatini beat us twice. and. I think written dash beat us at long odds um, in the Typhoon Tracy. I think at Group Three level at Mooney Valley, but mm. she was very good, and um, she um, she unfortunately, when we retired her, um, passed away having a um, procedure to remove a little uh, tumour from one of her ovaries. So uh, Goodness, that was very hard to tell people that we've just lost a, mm. a group uh, a group horse. Um, on the operating uh, table, but um, so are the vagaries of racing, as I as I say, John.
0: Here is another one of your bargain basement buys, on Picalo, forty thousand dollars at the sales, four hundred and eighty thousand in prize money, and eight wins in town. That's pretty hard to do.
1: He, he was just a, <laughs> he was a ripper on Piccalo If he, if he had it said to me that that horse would do that based on what he showed at the track, I would have laughed at you. He, he he just did his work like every other horse. But uh, come race day, it was a different kettle of fish for that horse. He uh, he had a real will to win and um, gave his ownership base terrific thrills over over a long journey too. He he raced fifty times, so it was a it was a long career for him. And he won a city race in nearly. I think it was nearly every city every um, prep he had. He won a city race for us. So. Um, You'd love one of those horses every day of the week, John.
0: Love you madly was a lovely little race mare for United with six wins, including a listed race at Mooney Valley. Dale Smith, who's now in Queensland, rode her in most of her races.
1: He did. Uh, he did, and um, that uh, that filly was a sixty thousand purchase at uh, English Melbourne Prem. Um, another pretty good bargain buy. She was. Uh, she was a brilliant uh, filly too, winning six of. 14 and still currently holds the track record at Flemington over 1,100 metres, mm. um, 102.15 beating a void lightning by a short half head, I'll, I'll never forget that, um, mm. and the next start won the listed able stakes, um, brilliant mare and um, again we've been able to breed on with her and uh, have a bit of fun too.
0: Like many of your mares, love you madly, has gone on to produce a metropolitan winner, in Immortal Love, who won a race at Flemington and then the Group 3 McNeil stakes at Caulfield. Unfortunately, in the Exford plate, his fourth run, he jarred up very badly. Pete, you've had to give him some time off.
1: Yeah, we did. Um, that was uh, disappointing that we ran on under those conditions, I suppose, at Flemington on such a hard track. He jarred up. Um, Nick ticked him out. for the the last week Um, he has come back into the stables this week this last week uh, and look Mick will play around with him the next week or so and we'll make a decision John whether we have a go at one of the lesser spring races or we give him a bit of an extended break for the autumn but um, it's terrific to have these mares that you buy at the sales and you, you hope you can fluke a bit of success with them on the track and then they can go to stud but She's been great. She, um, Bella Amore, as you say, she's a city winner. She won her maiden at Sandown um, and then ran second at Flemington, I think, the next start afterwards. We had Immortal Love, mm. um, as we've touched on. Um, we have got a capitalist filly that will be broken in next year, and, and God bless us, she gave birth to a Ruby Colt Friday night, late Friday night. So um, Good. And he's a, he's a ripper.
0: Now, as I said earlier, you like to keep a tight rein on the business. And so far, you've syndicated just over 100 horses since United Syndications began. You estimate you've brought around 1,000 newcomers into the racing game. Are there any of the originals still with you?
1: Oh, there are, yeah. Yeah, from 1993, we've, we've got originals that have gone all the way through and, um, um, that's a testament to their loyalty to me and the loyalty that I give back, the the service that I give. And, um, they know who I'm with and, uh, mix Mick's, Mick's loyalty to me. People say, uh, you're very loyal to Mick, but Mick's very loyal to me, John. Uh, mm. we've, we, you know, he puts up with me going to track work and videoing at, at track work and meeting owners. He, he's embraced United syndications for 20 years. And, mm. uh, He's just a fantastic operator, and I'm very privileged to be with him.
0: Now, you provide one unique service in that you personally call every syndicate member with regular reports on each horse. If a horse has got 20 owners, Peter Crichton makes 20 phone calls. That's amazing. Pretty much.
1: <laughs> if, I, if I can, John, it's, uh, it's, where possible, that's what I do. And Nick uh, still laughs at me. But... Um, I think it's important to give a service. I, I think it's important to speak to people. Um, some people may feel a little bit um, guarded to whether to, to give me a call, but I, I like ringing come race day. It's my way of checking in with the owners, and if they have got any questions they wanted to ask along the way, they do. Um, but in the, in the end, you, you become friends with these people, and it's, it's not really... Business for me, it's like ringing up just saying, Hey, how are you going? And by the way, your horse is running Saturday. Do you want yeah. tickets? Are you coming? Yeah, so it's, uh, mm. I love doing that.
0: Now, you get to track work two mornings a week, usually Tuesdays and Saturdays, yep. and you work from the trainers' tower out in the middle at Caulfield with Mick, as you said, and yep. you've got a cameraman working in the area of the broadcasting boxes, shooting right. the footage of track work. How do you right. make all, how do you coordinate all of this?
1: Uh, look, that's pretty easy being part of Mick for 20 years. Everyone knows me at the stables, so we have our little time. Mick's got three stables there located at Caulfield, and I've got my little times at each stable, depending on which horses are at, the, at those individual stables at that time. But they normally come out um, 5.30, quarter to 6, 6 o'clock. So I've got time to coordinate that. I know who's riding my horses. So I give my cameraman Rowan Goodwin from Thorough Communication Solutions who's been doing this work for six years, he's unbelievable. John always turns up on time and by the time I leave the track at Caulfield and I'm home, the videos are there right, waiting for me to send. Mm. He's been fantastic for me and um, he's a very integral part of my business um, and, the, and the, what I give to my owners, um, the service right. I give, is, is integral to that.
0: So when you get home from the track, you've still got a couple of hours uh, in the office to feed all of this stuff out to your owners?
1: Yeah, pretty much, yep. But I, I'm home, normally home by about 7.30, uh, knock it over by 10 o'clock, um, and away we go for the day on, on bits and pieces of other matters and checking up on, you know, progress of other horses and trying to plan programs for horses. So you sort of never stop, John, but it's something you love. You don't call it a job if you no. if you understand what I'm saying. It's just something you love doing and... Uh, yeah. and um, you know, the video the, the, is, is integral to the service that I provide.
0: One man whose expertise is crucial to the continued success of United is that remarkable trainer, remarkable horsebreaker and all-round good horseman, John Ledger at Wangaratta, who was a guest on our podcast five or six weeks ago. Now, John's been breaking in your yearlings for 20 years and he trains any of the horses, the racehorses, that are not good enough to compete in town. You've got a great partnership.
1: Yeah, look, John's um, just an integral part of United Syndications, and, and not only United Syndications, but Mick Price Racing. Breaks in um great majority of mixed horses and pre-trains them. Um, adjusts a lot of them as well, but John is just a fantastic operator with his, with his sons, Chris and Brad. Um, and uh, I don't know where I would be without somebody of the expertise of John. I, I just remember once early in Le Bon Sir's career, he was um, in the sand and This was a, as a very young horse. He just noticed the uh, Le Bon Sir get up a little bit uh, shaky. And instead of uh, ignoring it, as maybe a lot of other trainers may do, he, he followed it through and sure enough picked him picked up an issue with his stifle which required a, a procedure to remove a, a small piece of um, bone from that stifle and if John never did that, um, that horse would never have gone on to have done what he had done, John, and they're the little things that um, is just so integral to being able to do what I do to for the owners and to make sure that each horse gets every opportunity, But He's fantastic and without John and, and Chris and Brad, I don't know where I would be, but uh, he, he's a mate and um, we, we enjoy each other's successes and talk on the phone every every second or third day. It's, uh, it's a great relationship and he's, um, his services are really appreciated.
0: Are you superstitious when it comes to jockeys? Have you got favourites? Uh,
1: no, I'm not really superstitious. I like a jockey to be in form. Um, when they hop on. But no, there's no real superstition there, John.
0: Very pleased to see you're giving old Froggy uh, a good go lately. He's been riding Immortal Love. He's trying to re-establish in Melbourne after a few seasons in Tasmania. Strong, vigorous, aggressive rider.
1: I think he's ridden 35 or 36 Group 1 winners too.
0: Yes, um, he has, yeah.
1: He's, he, he's a proven jockey, proven big-time operator, Um not sure how he quite landed on him also, Love. I, I, I think he, uh, he, he did ride it, obviously, first up at Echuca, Um But it was right place, right time. Mick put him on. Um, Mick uh, has a great relationship, as you're aware, with Craig. And Craig rode Le Sir, early winners for me, um, as a young horse going back 2011. So we've, we've had a long relationship, too over the time. And uh, Craig's ridden that horse perfectly every run.
0: Now, more valuable than a dozen Group One winners is Lauren, your wife of thirty-two years, your business partner, the mother of your children, John, who's twenty-seven, and Sean, your daughter, who's twenty-three. What would you do without that lady?
1: Uh, I don't know where I'd be, John. Um, Lauren puts up with a lot of, uh, lot of moods and um, <laughs> good times, bad times. Uh, me working in the office. Late at night, early in the morning, going to track work, waking her up when I get out of bed. Um, Lauren is the is the rock of our relationship, and uh, I I'd certainly uh, would not be anywhere near what I'm doing now without her her support and love. Uh, she
0: she's obviously listening.
1: No, she's not actually. She's <laughs> not listening, so uh, we won't tell her. But uh, no, she she is just the rock of our relationship, and um. um you know, I just couldn't be. You know, you spend a lot of time in this game, John, um, doing a lot of things, looking at catalogues and researching pedigrees and all the stuff. And I know Lauren must think, Dude, "What is Peter doing in his office?" Or you know, <laughs> but it all it all works. Um, yeah. Lauren's fantastic, so supportive. It comes to the sales um, when we go to the yearling sales, and comes to the races and. As my daughter does, so um, yeah, it's a, it, it's terrific, John. Yeah. yeah,
0: your son's not an avid race fan, but you told no. me, young Sean doesn't mind the social side of a day at the race. Loves well,
1: the social side of it, and uh, Shaan's <laughs> was actually uh, organising tickets sometimes when I'm away at the sales and can't get to the races for the owners. Mm. I'll um, after I've rung all the owners and worked out who's going, I'll send a list to Sean and she'll head off to uh, to Glennis in the owner's office at the clubs and get the ticketing and distribute the ticketing. Um, She enjoys that and uh, she enjoys the race, the social side of the races too.
0: Now, just plucking one out of the United horses that punters might keep an eye on down the track because this horse won't be at the races for a while, but you've got an opinion of fighting Harada who suffered a serious injury when he was showing plenty of promise a couple of years ago. In fact, he hasn't raced for two years.
1: Uh, (laughs) Fighting Arada, he's um, if anything can go wrong with the horse, John Fighting Arada finds it. He's he one that we bred obviously out of a a mare that uh, we had in yesteryear in Ready Made Family, who was a smart, more than ready filly who um, had a short career at the races um, before retiring to stud. And Fighting Arada is one of those uh, the the progeny of Ready Made Family, and um, he's a city winner. He ran fourth in the Listed Reducts Choice. um, Uh, as a three-year-old, and suffered bad luck after bad luck in a couple of races, and caught free wide in the Guineas Prelude, and then he then he got injured, and uh, he has been out, um, as you say, for two years. Coming up for oh, two years, yeah. um, He's he's had a couple of little setbacks. He's um, back down at Mick's uh, Warnable Stables under Matthew Williams as tutorage who looks after mixed warnable stables down there mm. and he's coming along well he's about to return to pre-training in about a month and fingers crossed we're going to have a good a good crack at him he's jumping out of his skin Matty said he's mm. very fresh and well looks great but he is a he well he was a very good horse whether he's still got that um, same three-year-old form or whether he can recapture that I don't know but he, he's a yeah. very good horse and uh, he's worth it'll a be shot a great result.
0: Yep, it'll be a great story if he can come back and win a state. Yeah, race. it'll be
1: one of those stories. It will. It will be because he's uh, he's quite a popular figure on social media, and um, if, if he can come back, it would. Uh, I think it would melt social media down for a day. Mm.
0: Well, Pete, the first time we spoke, I could tell you had a story to tell, and it's a great story about a kid who fell under the spell of racing at a very early age and then decided to spend his working life introducing hundreds of others to one of the greatest shows on earth.
1: That's what it is. It's the greatest show on earth. We love our industry, John, and we work very hard in it, and um, um, I wouldn't, couldn't think of myself doing anything else but trying to go to the sales, pick a winner from the sales, syndicate it, and uh, that's the ultimate dream for a syndicator. And uh, Watch the smiles on everyone's faces, including my own, because I, I take a share in everything I, I syndicate as well. So it's a, it's a, it's a great performance for everyone involved. It's a, it's a long, um, it's a long time from the time you actually look at horses in in catalogues to buying them to selling them to syndicating them to racing and eventually to breeding them. But uh, the rewards are enormous, and it's a great personal satisfaction if you get it right.
0: Peter Crichton, been a delight having you as a special guest on our podcast. And the podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. Thanks for being with us.
1: Thanks, John. It's a privilege, mate. Thank you.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing, and Ingress.